If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa Cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa Cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 50, we're talking fear and the future of PR. Hey, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Beth Monahan of Ink House is here for a couple of episodes on fear and the future of PR. We will get to that chat in just a moment. In a couple of weeks, we'll have the great Professor Francesca Gino of Harvard Business School in to talk about her book, Rebel Talent. We recorded that on location, and I think you'll enjoy the discussion. We also have Alex Withers of InMotion Now on the schedule to talk about his firm's in-house creative management survey. For the next couple of months, at least, we're going to try to do two shows a week, probably on Mondays and Thursdays. We're at episode 50, as I said a moment ago. We're still learning so much from every guest. I hope you are, too. We have lots of chats planned or already recorded, and I can't wait to get those out to you in the months to come. So stay tuned. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod, we call it. Do it with my partner, Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, let's get to Beth Monahan. Beth runs Ink House, one of the brightest PR agencies in the land. She wrote a post a while back on fear and the future of PR. In today's world, there is lots of fear in the marketplace, and Beth deals with that every day. So she came up with a guide on how to think a bit differently. Beth is a thoughtful person who has built a great business, so it's worth a listen. Here's part one. Let's get to it. Beth Monahan, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. Thank you for having me. Well, it's it's great to have you here. You you wrote a piece about fear and the future of PR a while ago, and fear, whether in the form of typical FUD we often hear in the tech sector or in the news reports we read every day, seems to be a common theme these days. And just the sheer volume of news we're exposed to has amplified it. Why do you think fear is such a powerful tool? You know, unfortunately, it I think it feeds into human nature. We are kind of wired to scan for threats. If you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, physiological yeah. needs are at the bottom. And so, you know, it's been a long time since we lived in caves, but I think we still have those instincts. And unfortunately, they can be manipulated. Yeah. How do you... Uh, so uh, my years of working in marketing, the best way to kind of prick up someone's ears is to alarm them, right? So how yeah. do you fight the urge of clients 
to spread fear? How do you how do you fight that with your clients? Yeah, you know, I don't think anyone wants to spread fear. Well, some people do, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk about them today unless we want to get really controversial. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to spread fear, but what they want to do is attract people's attention. And it just so happens that fear is the most effective way to get people to click on things. And so scary headlines, you know, the news media use them, marketing people use them because they work. And I guess what I would say about that is that it's controversy and provocative points of view do not have to be the same as inciting fear. And if you look at the impact of fear, while it grabs attention at the outset, it doesn't make people want to stay connected to you unless you're a dictator and um, you're trying to you know, compel compliance. If you want a community, which is what most marketers are trying to build, hope and opportunity are the better ways to kind of bring people to you and, and make them want to stay. Yeah. It built loyalty, right? Yeah. Loyalty is a great word. Yeah. And trust. So you, you have a list of other areas where you're focusing here in 2019 mm-hmm. that you feel are just as powerful as fear. Can you share those with the audience? Sure. You know, I, I'll start. Um, I have them at numbered one through 10, but I might take them out of order um, since we started sure. with, yeah. with fear in general. I think over the summer, we did what we called Project Curiosity. And Tara Monroe here is a former museum curator, and she spent a couple of months going to all sorts of places where people encounter differing points of view in positive ways so that she could help us understand how we can apply those to communications. Yeah. One of the really cool things was, you know, she went to a bunch of museums, one of them being the Empathy Museum, which actually lets you walk in other people's shoes. Wow. I never heard of the Empathy Museum. Yeah, it's a traveling um, exhibit. Uh, it goes all over the world, but it's it's pretty cool. Um, she spoke yeah. with neuroscientists. She she did all sorts of interesting research and had amazing conversations to kind of uncover these ten things. But as everyone knows, the world has kind of gone visual, and it turns out that art and video are really effective ways to share new ideas in a way that's not confrontational. Right. You know, but, but so we have a design team here at Inkhouse, and I, I think that every communications program should incorporate design. But instead of using words, um, or maybe use fewer words, I, I think inviting people with visuals to be part of a conversation about something that's changing is better than scaring them and telling them how it's going to be. If you've recovered from COVID 19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID 19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. And in fact, you use a maze as the uh, kind of visual identity for this blog post about fear and the future of PR, which shows that it may be hard to get there, but it is solvable. Yeah, you know, honestly, I feel like if we don't do this, shame on us. I think that public relations is complicit in the way that the industry is right now. Steven Pinker did a chart of the tone of the news from 1940 to 2010. It's in his book, Enlightenment Now, and the tone of the news has gone steadily down. Meanwhile, the pace of the news has gone up exponentially. So as AI writes sports and financial news headlines, and so we have this 
battle for attention. And so fear is, is the easiest thing to do. Yes, trying to inspire people to think differently versus scaring them is, is probably the best way. And we find that visuals help. And that's tip number five. <laughs> How about some of the others? Sure. So seeking common ground through common goals is tip number one. I think this requires empathy. It requires marketers to sit down and, and consider the goals of their audiences and their emotional drivers. And very often, you will find that we all have common goals. And if we can start from a place of shared goals, then everything else is possible. And unfortunately, we often start from a place of, I, I have a goal and I'm going to convince everyone else to help me achieve it. Yeah. Number two is listen first and talk second. When we live online, it's so easy to think that we just have to spout off our points of view and they tend to work because they get clicks. But I think that interpersonal relationships have taken a hit over the years and I think we need to bring them back. <laughs> Maybe those are focus groups. Maybe those are meetings with your most important customers um, and investors and other audiences where you go to them with a list of questions and no other agenda but to, but to listen. And I think that we would all be surprised at how much we can learn when we do that. Do you find you do that a lot with clients, that you listen to them, even when you're in a, in a pitch to them, that you want to find out about them before you kind of tell your story? It is always my goal. Some clients have a set way they want us to present. But I often say that I could easily get through a new business presentation by only asking questions. and. If I can do that, I will win much more frequently. Because yeah. it shows that you're interested in their business. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I think that in different, I also apply that, by the way, to difficult conversations. I coach people here. I just led a session on it. You know, when you have a direct report or a client or somebody who's upset, your only job is to ask questions so that you can understand what's going on. And that kind of leads to number three, right? It does. Make it about them and not you. People, you know, when you're marketing, go back to marketers and not being managers. But when you're marketing, you know, why do people buy things? You know, everyone says, oh, they bought it because it's the best, you know, razor. And that, I mean, sure, that's the reason you're going to get. But people buy things because it makes them feel good about themselves. And the thing that they bought is a mirror for them. It shows them that they feel good about themselves. So the more that we can make people feel good about themselves, the better we are at creating those connections. And that even goes for, you know, B2B, uh, you know, which is an area I do a lot of work in. Really, B2B is kind of a misnomer because there's no business that ever buys anything. It's people. I say the same about social media. I'm like, a business can't yeah. have an opinion, but a person can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. And, and we do mostly B2B too, Mark. And I, you know, we, when we do messaging workshops, our number one job is to really understand the customer, not so that we can leverage it, but so that we can connect with them. Like, what do they care about and how can we join them in that cause? And you can do that in a fairly kind of easy way. You don't have to launch a persona project to do that. You can just talk to people. I know there's all sorts of personas and marketing tactics. And I think a lot of them forget that um, we're humans talking to humans. <laughs> right, right. So you have something about hope. Yeah. And this is, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but I, I think we can see this most distinctly in the political realm. When you wield fear, it takes people's agency away. Mm. 
and it scares them. You know, like I, I think we see this in the United States. We have a whole group of people who are just terrified. And you know what? I don't blame them. The world is changing so quickly. They're worried about their livelihoods and their families and climate. And, you know, the more you scare people, the more they shut down. In fact, there's a study on um, climate change messaging that shows that um, the scarier it is, the more likely people are to shut down as a mode of self-preservation. So they actually begin to think that that's not true simply because it's too scary. And so if you feel like all hope is lost, then you have no agency in a situation. So, you know, hope is almost everything. And that leads to number six. We did five, but that kind of leads to, you know, come together in a crisis. So tell us about that. Yeah. You know, so in the past year, I have handled more client crises than I have in my entire career. Um, <laughs> seems like something's going on in the atmosphere. But in a crisis, it's so easy and it's so easy to default to well, this person did it. So we're going to blame this person and we're going to blame this person. And very often, or sometimes that needs to happen, especially when you know someone's going to jail. But many other times, and most of the crises we deal with are those of honest human error. Yeah. And I find that when you actually show compassion for the error and show a dedication to resolving it together, you gain a lot more respect afterwards. Thanks to Beth for being here. Next time, Beth will be back in to share more about fear and the future of PR. So stay with us. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home-free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.